Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. Last time on Carrots and Suffering, our heroes had captured a rogue agent of House Verathi, who had made an agreement to do what any fairy agent of the Fairy Queen says. And of course, the first order was for her to start a war with House Mason. In rat form, complete with masterwork rat-sized earphones made from Silpha's spell components, Ophelia, the rogue agent in question, rode inside Sable's pocket to the magical fairy-proof bunker at House Miev. Meanwhile, Jalen had a formal courting event with Lynn Pornino. Lynn's mother used the event to inform Jalen that she could marry her son if she abandoned House Evans. Lynn's father used the event to inform Jalen that she was a bad person and unworthy of his son. Silpha's courting didn't go much better. Lord Byron's two adorable children, Toby and Annabelle, were entertained by Thomas Drury, a local lord's son and stage magician bard who specializes in entertaining children. Unfortunately, Thomas also has a big crush on Silpha, making the event a little awkward. Cygnus Swanson, Silpha's ex-boyfriend and general jerkwad, was also performing at the event, and it turns out he still has a thing for Silpha. And that got even more awkward. Everyone behaved themselves, but the tension was uncomfortable, up until Silpha decided to show the children her magic tricks. At which point, Byron had a low-grade panic attack and headed out. All in all, Byron and Silpha did hit it off as two business nerd book lovers, but Lord Mentor, Regent, and King of Fenrir has made it clear the marriage won't be happening. He simply hasn't announced it yet. As we left our last episode, Cygnus was trying to convince Thomas to back off Silpha in the way that only a jerk can do. One last note, a while back there was an assassination attempt against Sable where she was hit with a ball of thorns but was immune to that due to fairy agreements. And that comes up again here. All right, let's get back to it. Hi, I'm Nate. I will be your dungeon master. I'm Sandra. I play Sable the Druid. I'm Julie. I play Silpha the Wizard. I'm Mandy. I play Jalen the Rogue. Mandy, would Jalen like to do anything before her scene ends and she goes back home in her pretty, pretty dress? Well, once she gets home, she's going to take Lord Evan's advice and write a letter to Lynn, which I have actually written. Dear Lynn, thank you, both you and your family, for hosting Lord Evans and myself for the second of our courting sessions. I enjoyed meeting Dova. Please let her know I am enjoying the poetry book very much. Also, please tell your mother that I'm not even sure now where the spot was on the dress. Such are her skills. I hope the poor servant didn't come to too much grief on my account. I also enjoyed meeting Faust. He seems very different from you, and it was illuminating to more properly meet your father. I can see plain as day that he loves you very much in small wonder. Regarding our conversation, I have to admit I know woefully little about hunting animals or horsemanship, though I hope to remedy the latter, starting with the books you so generously loaned to me. And here is where I feel the need to deviate, reach out to you in a way that many might view as an overstep on my part. If so, I apologize. However, not being noble-born and bred myself, please indulge me to humbly express my dissatisfaction with the entire courtship process. We are ostensibly talking about marrying and growing old together, and I feel like we still really barely know each other. Polite conversation over tea and cakes with parental chaperones watching and listening hardly serves for two people to adequately figure out whether their marriage will work or not. Most of our married life would not involve polite conversation, tea, or chaperones, but rather an intimacy, a vulnerability, and an under-the-skin understanding of one another, evolving over decades. 
I know a lot about skin. Mine tends to be thick and sometimes hard to see, much less the layers protected underneath it. Given that we're considering a life together, shouldn't we more honestly and thoroughly explore one another than a formal courtship allows? To wit, I'll peel my skin back if you'll peel yours. I'm not suggesting anything indecent, and I hope what I am suggesting doesn't offend you or your family. But it seems knowing one another better sooner would be preferable to uncovering unpleasant discoveries later. So maybe I can ask you some questions, and in the spirit of fairness, I will answer my own questions to you in turn. When, where, and why did you first notice me? What do you love? What do you hate, fear, worry about? What keeps you awake at night? Where do you picture your life going, both in the near future and also years from now? Tell me a secret. Tell me a desire. If the thorns came down tomorrow, what would you do? Leave home? Stay? Do you, in all barefaced honesty, really see me fitting into your world? This is not a leading question. It's a practical concern, and I want to know what you actually think. Will your family ever forgive me mine? And, keeping with my own bargain, my answers. Noticing you, when you approached me at the Varathi funeral and because you asked me to go for a walk and you held my hand. No one had ever asked that before. I love my family. It's a very different family to yours, but I love them, all of them. I also love my friends. I hate being asked to be someone I'm not. I fear being a disappointment. I worry that I will never measure up to your family. Currently, I'm lying awake at night trying to figure out how to join your family without divorcing mine. I don't actually know where my life is going, near or far. I'm alternately okay and extremely apprehensive about this. Secret, I'm not a virgin and I sleep naked. Desire, to have a double of myself so that we could each lead two very different lives and compare notes at the end of the road. I would leave if the thorns came down tomorrow. I'm having a hard time imagining belonging in your world, to be honest. It's not a reflection on you as you're lovely. It's a reflection on me and what your world looks like to me, a person decidedly lower on the social ladder. I think I will spend my whole life looking up at those above me and they looking down on me. And I'm afraid I don't foresee your family forgiving me. Looking back on these answers, I'm tempted to burn them. <laughs> Surely this is unnervingly blunt, too honest, improper, and maybe even taboo, but no, I will send them to you. Marriage is vulnerability, after all, not propriety. If we are married, it's only fair for you to know what I'm like, what I'm really like, when I'm not wearing a dress and being polite. I'm not polite, Lynn. I'm not even a particularly good person, but I am who I am, and that's not going to change to fit the standards of others, least of all your mother, who can't stand my family, or your father, who can't stand me. I am terribly fond of you, but I will not change who I am to be with you, and nor can I abandon my family. You deserve to know that. On second thought, my worry isn't about your family. I know I will never measure up. My worry is I'm standing at a fork in my road, and I know that whichever tine I take, I will spend the rest of my life wondering where the other tine would have taken me. I don't like this choice, and I'm trying very hard not to resent it. Well there, either I've really done it now or you're still interested. If you write back, I'll look forward to the answer. If not, I'll understand, and I will have to place my trust in your discretion to keep this letter to yourself. I will also understand if you want out of this courtship. I've given you at least eight solid reasons to walk away guilt-free. I leave it to you. I will not regret being honest with you. This kingdom could use more honesty, says a girl versed in the finer points of deceit. Fondly, Jalen. 
Silva, anything you would like to do as your party comes to a close? Yes, I believe the last thing that I had overheard was Thomas asking Cygnus, so you think she hates me? And Cygnus replying like, yeah, totally. Or something equally douchey. That sounds like Cygnus. So I think bolstered by the, the sense of relative success that this courting session met, Silpha will absolutely like sweep into the next room to intervene in this disaster. So as you sweep into the next room, both man boys, you know, um, almost men. Teen boys? Yeah, I mean, one's 18, one's 17. Both of them will immediately turn and they don't like snap to attention or anything, but that you have their full attention. Cygnus, that's not true. Unlike you, Master Drury hasn't done anything that would cause me to hate him. So, now that this event has concluded, I think you should shut your lying mouth and leave. Ow. Yeah, okay. Um, good party. And Cygnus Swanson will stroll out the door. While he's still within earshot, Silpha will turn to Thomas and say... You were magnificent. I can't even begin to express how important the success of this event was to my family. So you have my deepest gratitude. I feel like you helped make it a success. Ow! I'm a professional, so, you know, I pull through. I do, my, I do what I can. Anyway, good, good show, Silpha. Please stay. I don't think that's a good idea, but I... Really had a great time. It was good seeing you twice today. Listen, that comment I made earlier about bards. She's been playing it mostly cool with Thomas, but she gets a little blushy. My mother knows that I have a thing. Uh, rather, I had a thing for bards. I, I love the lore and the stories and the music. And, and when I was little, I, I loved those magic tricks too, because I thought the people doing them were wizards. Look, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, look, I I appreciate this is a stressful day for you, so I'm I think job well done and if you ever need me to entertain the kids again, uh give me a call. I I love kids. So, yeah, I do I do all the birthday parties. Anyway, it was really great chatting with you, Silfa. You know, I'd still like to learn that spell someday. I'd love to teach you. Great. I'll send you a letter. Will you sign it with your real name? Maybe. Um, I'll tell you what, if Stephen sends you a letter, it's from me. Noted. Anyway, uh, I gotta go. And he will head out the door. So, Silpha, as everyone has piled out of the house, your mother comes in with a kind of boxy-looking thing uh, wrapped in cloth. And she says, a courier dropped this off for you, sweetheart, and hands it to you. I take the package from her. It has a little card kind of tucked in the cloth that says, From me of your payment in full. Oh. So Silpha will go upstairs. As you hit the top of the steps through the cloth that is wrapped around this thing, it starts to glow very noticeably. It is getting increasingly bright to the point where it's, I mean, it's completely wrapped in cloth. It's probably like a candlelight at this point. I pull off the cloth to see what the object is. It is a silver lantern. It has a kind of modified handle to it, so it looks like it could hang from your staff. It does not have a place to put oil, but it does have one of those little wick knobs, so you can you could control the height of the wick. It's an everlasting lantern. Shall I roll to determine what it is? Roll Arcana. 
what the fuck is this? She sent me a lantern. <laughs> Did you roll a one? So I rolled a one on this arcana roll for the lantern, which is really embarrassing. So I feel that Sylpha the wizard knows a lot about magic items. But in this moment, she's Sylpha the moth and is just enchanted by this glowing lantern. And it's like, wow, it's pretty. So pretty. Just not a thought in that pretty head anymore. <laughs> and, and, and not a thought, just... Just entranced. Entranced by the glowing, pretty light. Until she bumps her head on the side of a lantern. <laughs> She's trying to get closer. And then I'm like, oh, I should figure out what this does. So you're standing at the top of the steps with a lantern. What do you do? I mean, it lit itself. It's clearly magical. I, I know that it is magical lantern. And so I will bring it into my dark room. All right. On your bed is your cat. You can see it. It's splayed out on your pillow. It looks up at you as you come in, but it doesn't acknowledge you in any way other than that. I'll walk over to Scrix and scritch Scrix. So you, you give the cat a scritch and it looks at you and says, how are you seeing me? That's cheating. You're cheating. What? I'm hid. I'm hiding. How are you seeing me? Oh, I think it's this lantern light. Oh, crap. Who gave you that? The Lady Miev. Oh, damn it. This is going to be so useful. Now I have to hide under the bed. Like a regular cat. Yeah, well, I'm better than a regular cat. And it hops down on the floor and slides under the bed. You still have wings, Scrix. I could catch flying things better. And I've got, you know, I chase those rats out of your room and you can. it gets more muffled as it goes under the bed. <laughs> I could bring my lantern down to look under the bed. You see two glowing cat eyes that look somehow irritated. You can't seem to turn the lantern off. But I can, uh, can I adjust its brightness or dimness? When you twizzle the knob, it makes a noise. Roll me a con. Is that what we call it? Twizzling? Yeah, yeah. That's how we twizzle it. We twizzle it. You don't twirl it or move it. You twizzle. Or twist it. No, you twizzle it. Okay. <laughs> I twizzle the knob. <laughs> How'd it go? My arcana roll was a 15. 15. It should have turned off. So this is an activation effect. When the when the wick is down, it should be off. When the wick is up, it should be on. And it is down and it is still on. There is something like a proximity effect going on that is turning this lantern on. I walk into the study where I expect there are no invisible things around. You leave your bedroom, and you're in the hallway. It's still lit. You get about 30 feet from your bedroom. You haven't quite gone to the study yet, and it turns off. Sylpha is very excited by this lantern that will be highly useful. What, as we are surrounded by fairies that are invisible. Yeah, that'll definitely be useful. There, I guess there was one final thing that I wanted to do in my house before this unexpected gift arrived, and that is... I would see what my parents' thoughts on the day were and debrief. So your mom says, well, he definitely did not like when you used magic near the children. Oh, I, I gathered that. I, I regret that now. I should have asked his permission. But he did really like when you talked contracts and ledgers and your work over at the court. So apparently Byron is very business businessy. He's a very businessman. Uh, so I guess more of that and... He did seem very interested in magic. I would definitely hold off showing him more. For oh, that really felt like trying to get some of the goods before buying them, right? Yeah, I mean, 
Probably. You might want to, yeah, make him work for that. And your dad says, are you sure you want to marry this Byron guy? That that champion from House Mason looked pretty, pretty nice. I mean, he seemed like a nice guy. Very chivalrous. No? No? All right. Well, I like him. I'll invite him over for drinks sometime. Oh, he was undoubtedly a, a nice young man. And your, your mom says, oh, did you see that look on Cygnus Swanson's face? Oh, man, he is so jealous of Byron. That was priceless. Yeah, he walked up to me and tried to say, Oh, Silpha, you shouldn't marry Byron. He seems so fake. Yeah, um, Cygnus is very into you, darling. Ah, well, young love. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Cut over to Miev. So it takes two hours after you've dropped Silpha off to get over to House Miev. And make sure the rat doesn't go anywhere. No, she sits quietly in your pocket or wherever you put her. You get to the front door. When you knock, Tess is there, and she says, um, Sable, this is, uh... I apologize for arriving unannounced, but it is very urgent business. Could you please let your lady know I'm here? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Thank you. And she ducks in and comes back about ten minutes later with Lady Miev. Miev comes looking pretty presentable and says, Baroness, to what do I owe the pleasure? I... is the room that you had before, is it still available? Absolutely. Can we maybe have a conversation? Yes. Great. And she turns and walks back into the room. You walk through the manor house towards the kitchen. Have hang a left. Push. Uh, when he, she steps through the door, you step through the door. You feel this push. I've been there before. Roll me a d20 because there's something unusual afoot. Oh. Oh, my God. Did you roll a one? I did roll a one. Okay. It's like you hooked your coat on the doorknob or something. Does it happen to be the pocket that I have the fairy, the pixie in? Uh, the dead pixie no, in? No, it's the pocket you have the rat in, oh. which is now screaming in pain as oh, you are oh. crushing it. I'm crushing it? Yeah. Oh, I step back. Roll me a d20 and see if you killed that rat. Oh, good God. No. I rolled a six. Great. It has stopped squeaking. Oh, no. I take it out. Cast heal. You are holding a rat. Is it still alive? It does not seem to be alive. Oh, good God, come on. It can't be just dead, dead, dead. So when a druid in its animal form dies... It goes back to human, doesn't it? It does. Yeah? You are holding a dead rat. I'm holding a dead rat? Yep. Fuck. A dead rat that can't go into the fairy-proof circle. God damn it. I really want to punt that rat now. It crumbles into sticks. Miev comes back out and says, um... What was that? Well, I squished those sticks into bunches of pieces and am fairly peeved and throw them to the ground. And then I'll step into the room with her. The room is partially cleared and has a chair in the corner and a bed next to it. I thought I was bringing Ophelia here. Clearly, that is not the case. Whatever that was, was not Ophelia. I'm sorry, was it a pile of sticks? Yes, but it wasn't a pile of sticks. It was a rat that had transformed from Ophelia into a rat. So Um, perhaps high magic afoot of some sort. I'm afraid it's a little worse than that. Are you familiar with the concept of a fetch? (sighs) No. All right. So when a human is abducted into the Feywild and disappeared from this world, periodically they are replaced with a very fragile creation that looks like a human and acts like a human but is devoid of that 
individual's passions, drive, soul, and they're very fragile. They tend to die, and then they turn into piles of sticks. Would your spell that you gave to Silva hone in on one of those? If it they're was a usually made from a piece of the individual removed. It is extremely high magic. It's something only the most regal and noble of fairies are capable of. It would imply that your Ophelia is not in this world anymore. That's problematic. Well, it means she can't start a war while she's in fairy. Possibly, yes, but I don't know what how long she's been replaced. I flop down on the edge of the bed and I say, so you know about the war idea. How much do you know? Well, Silpha informed me that you have an individual who made a deal to lessen the impact of some of the matron's broken deals and that they have to do whatever a fairy says and that they were commanded to start a war with the masons. And I gave her a scroll to help find her. And you found this instead? You appear to have found what was left of her on this plane, probably a toenail or something. So that means she's been taken, which means either her making this deal where I could see it being done was either a ruse done in front of me for reasons I would not know, or she has been taken since that deal was made. I don't see how it would benefit them to take her after that deal was made, but did they offer you a chance to make deals to remove that deal? Oh, absolutely. Ah, I'm going with ruse from the beginning. That's what I'm thinking. As for how long Ophelia has been gone, I can't say. Could be years. Mav, Ophelia is one of the people who called for my assassination, who helped pay for it. Well, if she had most of Ophelia's memories, but none of her... Is that how fetches work? Often. They're a replacement made from a piece of a person. So they don't know that they're fetches? Not usually, no. If they find out they're fetches, they go bad. What does that mean? Usually it starts small with them... Killing small animals for fun gets worse quickly. Oh, I was hoping you just meant they rotted. No, no, no. Far worse. They, they, they rot in a very different way. But they're oh. relatively easy to kill? They are a shadow creature, almost. Uh, frequently, they're made by removing the person's shadow and... Stitching it on? I think I read that in a book somewhere sometime. So good news, no war. Bad news, I have no idea how many fetches are in your house. No way to tell. You say they die easy. Well, I wouldn't run around stabbing people randomly. That's not good. No. Do they bleed? Yes. Is there any way to determine if something is a fetch? I don't personally know, but I have a formula for I could learn it over time. There's a very dangerous spell called break enchantment that might destroy them instantly. But uh, knowing it is also a bit of a problem. It works a bit like remove curse. So would a a fetch can't? enter here? No, it's a fairy for all intents. I mean, it is literally an embodiment of fairy magic. Well, I know you're safe. My family has a long history with dealing with the fairy creatures, and it's very important that we have a place to hide. Give me just a second. I I stand up and I go to the door. I open it, stick my head out and say, Helena, could you join us, please? Yes, absolutely. Helena hits the, the wall, and you can see her kind of wince and push, but she steps through into the room and looks back at it and says, what the hell is that? I will explain in just a minute. And I show her the little bits of twigs that I still have in my hand. 
And I'll say, this is what's left of Ophelia. You turned her into sticks and no, crushed her? she did that by herself. We that have a, seems drastic. We have a bigger problem. I'll let Miev do the explaining because she understands it better than I do. Miev takes a different tact with, with Helena. She yeah. says, Helena, you know how my husband died, right? And Helena gets really awkward really fast and says, um, no, no, I don't. And she says, oh, come on. The whole kingdom knows how my husband died. Please, you know. And she says, "It. did you poison him? And she says, no, no, I didn't. But that is the rumor. No, he was replaced. A version of him came back, very flimsy version. He got a cold and he died. Your husband was fetched? Lord Mentor is, of course, convinced that I killed him. But it is fairy magic. And Helena says, well, that's, I mean, I don't mean to be rude to you, Lady Miev, but that is a mighty convenient excuse you have there. <laughs> and Miev, she doesn't seem to take offense, but she like looks over at her and she's like, you're a cocky one. I'm so trying not to smile, but I know my character is smiling and looking down at the floor like, yeah, yeah, she is. The, the point is, Helena, that's what happened with Ophelia too, and we don't know when or how long. Okay, and wait, there might so, be other replacements in the house. So, I mean, what do the replacements want? I mean, are they are they spies? Are they? They might be. I mean, they had to have been made by the fairy queen. Yeah. There might be ones in our circle, and that's problematic. Miev says it. They're extremely difficult to spot. They usually don't know that they are a construct, and so if you ignore them, they'll mostly ignore you. The reason the fairies tend to do this, one, they take an interest in someone and they decide they want them in fairy for whatever reason, that happens. Two, a person finally uses all of the things that they have to bargain with and ends up back in fairy as their final bargaining chip. But the fetch doesn't know that it made that last bargain. So there would still be a creature believing it is that same person running around doing the same things the previous one did. So they could be spies if they were spies before. Can the fae that created them work through them? That is a question of research that I have not been able to do. Again, if a fetch figures out it's a fetch, it, it goes bad. Right. You'd have to find one that you knew was a fetch and then research it without it finding out that it was a fetch, it's almost impossible. Thank you. So, Helena, we don't know who's safe in the house. We don't even know who's real. All right, look, I'm going to go ahead and, and use some of my druidic wisdom here as your, your guard and your champion. If this was not true, nothing would be different tomorrow. And if it is true... Nothing will be different tomorrow. We just pretend we don't know this and continue as usual knowing that there are possibly some soulless hunks of sticks running around. Right. Fair? Mm-hmm. Great. Miev, do you disagree? And Miev says, no, that's some beautiful wisdom if ever I heard it. Frankly, <laughs> it's the only thing I've ever heard for advice that might work. I give Helen a, a little look and say, well, she's been fairly decent with advice. I do want to thank you for this time. I, it was not what I expected or anticipated, but the information is useful. 
I clearly need some time to think. I, I, I don't know how to proceed. Perhaps I should just go home. If you feel safe, please head home. My hospitality is always yours. Should be fine, right? You should be able to get home in time before dark. Okay. I can't think of any reason to stay. Good luck. And she opens the front door for you to leave. Yep, I'm out. I will probably be quiet on the way home unless Helena has something to say. Examining, like, the one piece of stick that I still have left. Helena seems really stoic and morose most of the way home. Like, she's got this really sour look on her face. About halfway back to House Varathy, she turns to you and says, I think this happened to my sister. Really? Yeah, it makes sense. Have I met your sister? No, no, she's dead. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Yep. It's unfortunate. Why would they steal your sister? My sister tried to cut her way to something in the thorns, and, and she got pricked a lot. And I chatted with some people about getting her back and getting her well, and I paid the price for that, and I got her back. But she was not the same. The mutations were gone, but she was... It, it's like the, the light had gone out. I think they gave me a fake version. I'm sorry. Yeah. What was her name? It doesn't matter now. It does to me. Hmm. You know what? I think I'm just going to keep it. It's a shame, though. Paid a lot for that. I will tell her they tried to get me to pay to help Ophelia, too. You know they say fairies can't lie, right? Seems like bullshit to me. And then when I get into my room and I've changed into my nightgown and everything else, I've got that dead pixie. And I've got the sticks that are left from the Ophelia fetch. I'm going to, you know, put them out on a little plank of wood. I'm going to cast Detect Magic. Look around. Are there any fairies around me? When you cast Detect Magic, there is a fairy, a single pixie, probably up in the corner of your bedroom, fluttering. It takes a few rounds to pinpoint it down, because that's how the spell works, but it's there's a source of magic there. All right. Well, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm definitely going to look right at it. And I'm going to take this dead pixie and the twigs, and I'm going to throw it in my fire. And then I'm going to go to sleep in my bed, which is still in my room, damn it. Welcome to the Bidroll, and that means it's time for Animal Facts. This episode's Animal Facts are about fairy wasps, inspired by our hero's discovery that fairies can replace people with fragile, magical facsimiles called fetches, and that they use such means to manipulate people. Fairy wasps are sometimes called fairy flies, which is a misnomer because these insects aren't flies, nor are they fairies, although that last part generally goes without being stated. These minuscule, feathery-winged wasps are just one family included in a large group of insects known as parasitoid wasps. The term parasitoid describes a kind of parasitic life cycle, in which the adult wasp is free-living, but the female lays its egg in or on another organism's body, where the larval stage develops. The larvae inevitably kill their host, but they consume it in a manner that keeps the host alive as long as possible, for completing their development. Many even zombify their hosts, altering the host's behavior in a way that is beneficial to the parasitoid. Then, eventually, for those parasitoid larvae that reside in, rather than on, their hosts, they emerge into the world by bursting their way out of the body, 
much like that infamous scene from Alien. There are estimated to be over a 100,000 different kinds of parasitoid wasps, and their life cycles are all unfailingly fascinating and gruesome. So you can bet that we will be featuring other members of this group in future mid-roll segments, because Julie loves giving me nightmare fuel. Focusing specifically on fairy wasps, these tiny creatures often escape human attention because of their size. The male of one species of the wasp is the smallest known insect in the world with an average body length of 186 micrometers. To put that in context, that's the size of a single-cell organism. Another species, charmingly named a Tinkerbella nana, measures about 250 micrometers long, or about two and a half times the width of a human hair. The minuscule size of fairy wasps not only renders them nearly invisible, but is adaptive for completing their life cycle. Instead of laying its eggs on, say, a living caterpillar or beetle, a female fairy wasp actually lays its own eggs within the eggs of other insects. The wasp larvae hatch and develop within the host egg, using up its nutrients and killing the host larvae. The mature wasp live only a couple days to mate and reproduce. Some male fairy wasps complete their entire life cycle within the host egg, mating with females and then dying while the female goes on to emerge from the egg and start the cycle anew. Because they depend on other insects to complete their life cycle, fairy wasps and other parasitoid wasps have vitally important ecological roles. Many are used as biological control agents for keeping down populations of agricultural pests or other damaging insects. Alright, let's get back into it. I think Silpha has has experienced a little bit of a roller coaster of a day. She's feeling thoughtful and getting ready for bed and crawls into bed next to my cat on my pillow. I reach an arm up and pet Scrix between the ears. Okay. You won't see the cat, but the indentation on your pillow is still there. And so you can find its head blindly and give it a scritch. And it says, how did you find me again? Well, you you leave a kind of depression in the pillow. Oh, gosh, I forget how clever you are sometimes. And this is one of your favorite spots. Oh, thank you. You do know me. Scrix, you said Muriel was a good wizard. Am I a good wizard? Oh, you're even better at wizarding than Muriel. She spent a lot of time just thinking about things, drawing pictures. Uh, she studied a lot of things like physical sciences, like um, why do bridges stand, and uh, how to make things stronger in shape, uh, architecture, carpentry, metallurgy. She was uh, what you might call an engineer at heart. Frequently let magical study falter. Well, I, I guess I didn't mean in terms of talent or knowledge. I meant, like... Good, like the opposite of wicked. Oh, Sylphie, you're not wicked. Well, it's just, I've been thinking a lot about this idea. You know, magic exists and it isn't good or bad and it's what you do with it. I'm just struggling a lot because there are definitely, I think Muriel would say that any magic that requires harm to oneself or others as part of its components is inherently evil. Mm, no, 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 she would not. No. Magic is, is intent. It is force of will. If your intent is pure, well, the magic may have side effects that are unintended. It matches your intent. It's almost like a living thing, really. Well, see, that's exactly it. I mean, I found this 
I found this book of dark magics and and I and I read it cuz cuz I was curious and hmm does it cause darkness and other other dark things does it does it make it night when it should be day what I mean you know like taboo magic oh socially unacceptable magic you know Muriel was quite good at that she did all kinds of things that were socially unacceptable Muriel would say magic used to harm others is bad and Mm, that is what she would have told the children. And 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 I've definitely done that. And for instance, a spell like Animate Dead. Animating the dead is an affront to the gods, they say. And so you shouldn't do it. But what if you animated the dead to, like, cut the thorns and, and prevent people from coming to harm and make their lives better? Then that wouldn't be bad. That would be more than I see the gods doing. You know, Silpha, Muriel used to struggle with these same concepts. She would lie awake at night thinking about them. We'd had a lot of good conversations. I think what would help here is to understand that Muriel was a person. She was complex. She knew combat magic as well as she knew uh, simple cantrips that entertain children. Well, it, it didn't save her in the end, did it, when they took her down into the dungeon? She knew what was happening to her, didn't she? Yes, she did. Perhaps if Muriel had studied more magic, she might have been in a better position, but that really doesn't matter. Listen, Silpha, a wise person once told me, whether you die young or you die old, you got the exact same thing as everyone else. You got one lifetime. Muriel had her one lifetime. You're, you're verging on plagiarism there, Nate. I am. <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> Copyright death from the book Sandman. Written by. Written by Neil Gaiman. Thanks, Scrix. Anytime. I love these conversations. It's like, you know, the old troll problem. You're riding the back of a troll and it, it'll kill several people on the path. And you can turn the troll down another path and it'll kill several people there too. But fewer. Which direction do you turn the troll? The trolley car. <laughs> the trolley car, yeah. <laughs> she did call it the trolley problem. All right, morning rolls around. So the morning mail arrives. Uh, nothing comes for anyone specific except um, Sable. Almost all the mail comes to the house is now for you because you're the Baroness. So, uh, yeah, there's just a pile of stuff. But uh, there's one letter specifically from Lord Mentor that looks handwritten. All right. Before I open that, I am going to check and see how the thorns are doing. If anyone can tell me how the thorns are doing. They have... Have they uh, slowed their growth? No. So they were slow for a couple nights. They, last night, they sped up again. The thorn cutters are out in force. You don't have enough. That's right. Didn't we work out something that we were going to do? You have the option of hiring out additional thorn cutters from other houses. Yeah, which at least I'm going to do for today. You send out some letters. And then when I can get away from everybody and be alone, I will open that letter from Mentor. So the letter from Mentor says, The courting went very well. My daughter seems to have hit it off with Alan. What? <laughs> I would like to Bullshit. I would like to accelerate the plans. Instead of meeting in three weeks, I would like to meet in three days. I think we can begin talking contract language for the marriage in that meeting. Huh. Huh. 
shit, I say. Oh my god, all right. I I said the messenger birds and yeah, I I think that I would ask for y'all to come to the treehouse today though. Okay, you gals get to the treehouse. Sofa, do you bring your lantern? Sofa is really excited about this lantern, and she absolutely brings it. I mean, it is attached to her staff and probably was covered by a cloth as I was walking through town. But once we get to the treehouse, she is vibrating with excitement to show off. It lights up when you get to the treehouse. What's that? Sofa is on alert when the the lantern illuminates as I'm climbing up into the space. Sable! Jalen! Look what I got! It's from the Lady Miev. It's a magic lantern. By the way, there's a pixie you can all see. Plain oh. as day. What the ceiling. fuck? There's a low ceiling in here, so it's head height, just over in the corner. Yeah, you should always assume that one of those, at least, is following. She's gonna pull out a hand crossbow and be like, you want me to, um... Hey, you! Go! We have no problem shooting you. So the pixie looks over its back shoulder, like... No, you. At the wall behind it, and then... Point directly at it. And then it, like, points at itself. Yep. Yeah, you. I'm saying all of this in Sylvan. And I'm pointing a crossbow at it. It it holds its hand up. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jeez, I'm just doing a job. Yeah, well, do it somewhere else. And it flutters out the treehouse window. Anyways, this is going to be super useful. Wait, does the lamp go Was out? that why we could see... It illuminates invisible things. No shit. She's grinning broadly. That's awesome. That is really awesome. It will go out, but not like, not immediately. It takes a little while and then it goes out. That's incredibly handy. Thank you. It was a gift from the Lady Miev. Wow. I I mean, that's some impressive magic. So how was, did you get Ophelia to Lady Miev's okay? Um, do you, do you want to talk about your courtings? No. No. (laughs) All right, I'll give you. I can. I can give you the bad news, but I look between my t- my two friends, giving Sable concerned eyes because she'd rather talk about frivolities than the important matter at hand. Silfa will share. Well, first, I have to say mine went pretty well, all things considered. It oh, could have good. been. It could have been a nightmare disaster. Okay, because first of all, you two. Turns out, Thomas Drury, Bard. Oh no. Yeah, and guess which bard my mother hired. Oh, oh no. no! And guess which bard the Masons brought. No. no! You had to deal with Cygnus in a courting? Well, well, I, that's actually pretty satisfying, isn't it? I mean, you're you're courting into nobility, and I'd think he had that to that watch. That would be incredibly distracting to have that peon there. Like, I think it would be awesome. Well, the situation could have been very awkward, but. I insisted that he only play instrumental music, and therefore it kind of faded into the background. He walked up to me and says, I don't think you should marry Lord Byron. I think he's fake. And I was like, (laughs) if anyone knows who a fake is, it's you. And he totally, he didn't get it. No, he's not very clever. But the courting itself, it went all right. I mean, I was really nervous that, you know, we'd spend the whole time, like, awkwardly trying to flirt and talking about nothing. But... No, Lord Byron led with saying that he really enjoys books and asked to talk about books. And then we went on this tangent about my time as a scribe and contracts. We talked about business. Uh, well, good. So are you, are you still entertaining the possibility? 
considering the conversation that we had with so here's the thing i i kind of enjoyed it just because i didn't have any pressure i mean it was interesting to get to know byron but i know that you know it's not anything that's gonna go forward so so it was good it was good that we could talk about things like business i'm not going to get attached or anything and his kids actually they are they're pretty adorable. <laughs> One has butterfly wings. Aww. The four-year-old, Toby, and the two-year-old, Annabelle. I'll just say sweet, but really reminds me of myself as an infant. Aww. Oh. <laughs> and then, I okay, so this is shallow, but... It's okay, Sofa. You were an ugly baby. <laughs> but Byron himself, not too bad to look at. So he's got like these really striking blue eyes mm-hmm. and uh, that really handsome kind of square jawline. He's like leopard-like, isn't the he? The profile of the Masons. So yeah, he's got these these leopard spots. And it made me think like maybe he wouldn't mind like the patches of color I have on my back and shoulders that Cygnus was always making me feel like really self-conscious about. You know, Cygnus is just one big asshole, right? He always was. Yeah, I should have listened to you guys when you said that to begin with. He was nicer once. Well, but you're learning how much better you can be treated, and that's the important part. Oh, and Jalen, Byron was wearing, like, of course, like this formal waistcoat and stuff, but there were definitely, definitely muscles under there. (laughs) Well, uh, good. (laughs) You know, the Masons, you never know, so some of them can be kind of soft. How was yours? Yeah, how was Lynn? Lynn was great. His parents were not great. Really what? Stuck up nobles. No. Did they look down on you? Yes. No. They each managed to get me alone in a room and mm. said things. Are they I don't I wasn't holding out a lot of hope that Lynn and I would actually get married, but it was just low. So they were trying to manipulate things and dissuade you from Pursuing I mean, something? Lady Pornino is dead set on me never talking to my family again as a condition, and Lord Pornino is dead set on me just not being me, so I, I don't, you know. Well, what did you tell Lord yeah. Evans then? I told him what they said. Well, what did you tell Lynn? I did not tell, well, I did not tell Lynn yesterday what they said. Did you see him today? I wrote him a letter. You told him what they said? I hinted at it wow i told him in the letter that i would not change who i was to be with him and i wasn't going to abandon my family either so i don't know how that's going to go sibyl's looking at you with big wide eyes she is just take it aback you are you are so strong look sable i know you're part of the nobility now but they really blow like their whole world blows it's not like I wanted to do this. I know. I'm not blaming you. But the nobility blows. All of them. I don't I don't know why Lord Evans wants to move up in that world. I don't know why any of them want to stay in there. I mean, they're just icky. I kind of suspected that. They felt kind of icky when they were saying thanks. No, I don't know why they want to do it either. My So far, my life has been hours and hours of dealing with lumber trades. A whole bunch of people trying to kill me. And... Lots of backbiting. Oh, and our own courtship here that was lackluster, to say the least, with... I just I just want to say, I belong to the Thieves' Guild, and the nobility makes me feel dirty. That's saying something. Okay. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks. I don't make you feel that way. No, but you didn't really grow up that way. No, and I don't want to make you feel that way. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm not throwing this at you. I'm okay, just, I'm okay, just, okay. I'm that's, just, that's good. You know, now that I've had occasion to actually interact with them and find out what they're like, I mean, just God. Silfa, who's entire existence revolves around maintaining ties and rubbing elbows and being the grease in the Schmoozing. wheel is looking entirely uncomfortable so we had a problem what happened did she get away or no 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 she definitely didn't get away ophelia wasn't real what what she was a fetch a what oh natural 20 to the arcana lady so that would be a, a 26. I got a 15. I guess I've heard this word before. I know a great deal about fetches, apparently. Jalen, you know about fetches because they are a boogeyman fairy tale told okay, to children. So, so I, I, I have um, some idea what yeah, they are. Yeah, it's okay. that, you know, fairies will come and steal you away and leave behind this version of you that's bad. And there's all kinds of little folklore about, like, how to spot a fetch. All of them are meant to scare children. Um, they're like, well, fetches... Don't eat their broccoli. Okay, so, but but is it like a, but fetches aren't real? Like the Easter bunny isn't real? Kind of, yeah. It always has a little bit more of a, it, it could be real, and some of the adults will buy it. But you know it as a fairy tale. With a 26, they're very real. They are specifically designed to allow fairies to essentially escape with their kidnapped victims and not raise people's suspicions and to let them return and steal people from the same place repeatedly. As soon as you say she was a fetch, Sylpha's already large eyes go enormously wide. And I nod my head very rapidly. I said, you understand. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, that that was was my reaction. I thought fetches were like just scared No, they're not just a boogeyman, Jalen. Nope, there was one in my pocket. Well, very real. Fucking great. So. Are there more? Where there's one, especially in this kingdom, there could be others. So here's the deal. Ophelia made a deal with the fairy queen in front of me, then left. And then they offered me an opportunity to handle her situation with another deal. I didn't take it, but it was clearly a ploy. So they were manipulating you by using Ophelia the fetch. To make one deal and have you make another deal to undo it? They tried. So was she a fetch before she made that deal? I think she had to be. So how long has she been a fetch? I don't know. How do you tell if something's a fetch? You can't. It's extremely difficult. Well, how did you find out she was a fetch? I tried to go into the room that I talked to my matron in, and she fell apart. The one with all the markings on it? Oh, thank God, then I'm okay. Have you been in the room? I haven't been in that. Oh, she, she's like, fuck. I'm okay. Uh, come on. <laughs> I know someone else with a room like that. So you know someone else with a room like that? She's just going to look at you like, come on. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> of course. If I was more skilled, my room would be like that too. As I understand, it takes a lot of time. And if they find out they're a fetch, apparently they go bad. Bad how? Yeah, that's what I was hoping, like sour or like, you know, they rot. They start stinking. But, but no, bad as in they start going on murder sprees. Psychotic bad. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, bad. that's a word. Well, what I meant to say was 
It's difficult to tell if someone's a fetch while they're alive. When they die, they typically crumble into sticks. Right. Well, we can't just stab everybody. I know. I asked if they bled, but they apparently do. Also, they don't know that they're fetches. Apparently, it's very bad to lead on and help someone to understand they're a fetch. So we don't know, but it is possible. And that means that there are people who are quite simply just not here. And we're down in Ophelia. Well, doesn't that solve the problem? Only sort of. That makes the problem of missing people even more creepy. Sylpha's eyes dart to Jalen because her mother went missing. Yeah. Also, we don't know who's been replaced. I mean, every other member of my family could be a fetch. Every other member of the circle could be. I, I don't know. Also, the fact that Ophelia is gone is not going to go unnoticed for very long, especially since I just got a letter from Lord Mentor saying he'd like to start talking about marriage details. Wow. Uh, he desires a marriage contract between Alan and his daughter then? Yeah, but that was such a lackluster... Well, like that matters. No, I, that which of course means he wants a connection. But also, he was really rushing it. How rushing? We were talking about another courtship in three weeks, and now he wants it in three days. Wow. And to start discussing the contract already. I don't feel ready for any of this. Yeah, I thought... You could go to Lord Mentor and tell him that Ophelia is missing, and you need a little more time than three days. Everyone knows we went chasing after Ophelia yesterday. The Masons know that we went looking for her in our house. Everyone's going to think we yeah, did something Yeah, I know. You're going to tell Lord Mentor, not everybody. Tell him that Ophelia is missing, and you need to push it to a week at least. The Drurys know we went after her, don't they? Yeah. What do you think everyone's going to think? Well, you can say you didn't find her. People will assume the worst. That's a fact. I mean, people... And she'll look at Sylpha. People go missing. People will assume the worst. That's a fact. I think you can attempt to control the rumors. How much people will believe them is another matter. I think the Masons would shed no tears. They would assume that you dealt with the rogue family member with the harshest means possible. From their perspective, I think they might appreciate you for it. I mean, you don't know where Ophelia is. I mean, you really don't. You're not going to be lying about that. She's in Fae. You don't know. We can say that we never found Ophelia. The only people who know will be the Masons, and I doubt they will talk. To everyone else, we were not successful in finding Ophelia. <sighs> you know, I thought some of this, when we grew up, might actually be... I don't know, pleasant, uh, enjoyable, I mean, intrigue. You know, it always sounded, I mean, it's a great word. This is terrible. Well, another alternative would be to say that we found Ophelia and discovered that she was a fetch. People are going to find that a little, well, far-fetched. Or if they don't, they're going to panic. Right, and I don't and want to don't start And you don't want to panic, so just say she's missing. Right. I mean, it is no secret you went looking for her. Just say you can't find her. She is missing. The Masons might think they have something on us. Well, we have something on them. Precisely. You're comfortable in this lie? This is how the game is played. It's not entirely a lie. Also, Thieves Guild. Right. And I'm certain that the matron lied a lot. She lied to you about who you were. You're going to have to get better at it. I'm not good at it. I know. You're going to have to get better. I think your advice is sound. I will speak to Lord Mentor. I'll send a note. I would go talk to him. Oh, 
No, send a note ahead saying you're coming and then go talk to him. Jalen is correct. Anybody can see a note which she sort of closes her eyes. Should I tell her husband and son first? I don't know whether you should tell her husband first or not. I mean, I, I think that's up to you. I ask your advice. That is all. Yeah, tell her husband first. Silva? If you were her husband or one of her children, what would you want? I would want to know. Then you should tell them. Be careful. We don't even know who's real at this point. Well, frankly, if we are to operate in the world acting as if everyone could be fake, I don't see how that could be pragmatic. Fetches believe themselves to be who they are sent to replace, so for all intents, they are that person. I agree. Even we could be fetches and not know it? I'm not. You're not. I'm very fetching. You are very fetching. Fetches can't make puns, so we're safe. (laughs) (laughs) Or wait, maybe they make a lot of puns. Shit! What would a soulless person do? Fetches get stetches betches. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've been in that room at Lady Mio's. I've been in a room like it. I'm sure I could get... I'm sure you could be in that room. I have been in Lady Mio's private space. So we're good. Where I spoke to the matron. The room that has been warded. Yes. Oh, I have been in Lady Mio's room, actually, because that's where we talked to her last. Yes, that's where you learned about that mission you're not doing. Right. Shh. Where you keep signing us up for courtship sessions, Nate. (laughs) (laughs) What are we supposed to do? You could have said fuck off to to the nobles and you didn't do it. No, not yet. So there are a couple of other things that I probably should tell you. I check her lantern again. Not that this is a secret. They they know. I did get hit by that ball of thorns. I thought you might have been. Yeah, it doesn't impact me. And that's because the circle, well, as far as I understand it, the circle is uh, the fairy queens. It has always been the fairy queens. Hmm. So the thorns don't affect you? They don't hunt me. They, I can walk through them. They don't move for me or anything. So you could conceivably get out. I have no idea how how wide these are or how far they go and what's in them. Uh, there's a lot more dangerous in the thorns than just thorns. I could induct others and ensure that they have this protection as well. And what is the cost of induction? I'm not saying that it would work. I mean, I haven't tried it, but the Fairy Queen still has her designs on House Mason, so information on the house in exchange for induction. But again, I mean, perhaps you have to be a druid. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how circles work. That's not the part that I studied. The lady had little time to tell me. Well, no time. In my readings, aren't druids connected to the land, usually stewards of a place protecting the wilds against the encroachment of civilization or something like that what are fey if not part of the wild doesn't nature have a balance my entire existence has been within this thorn wall everything i know about nature is bounded by it it's changed and transformed even the food we eat the land i'm connected to is as much a part of the thorns as anything. To me, it makes sense. It will not be easy to separate myself. 
It seemed like your matron desired to separate the circle from the fairy queen. Mm, keep her designs smaller, certainly, and I'm doing my best to do that. Well, I don't have any advice for you, Sable. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not asking for advice. I'm telling my friends in all honesty who I am. Okay. Now they're sitting there in awkward silence. <laughs> well, we should probably do what Lady Miev wants us to do. Oh, has she given you something else? She has. The notebooks that we recovered for her had some of Muriel's designs. She is working on making some of those designs a reality. I believe she's... Well, she's building some sort of construct. It's like a machine given life. And the designs for this particular machine require a number of magical components from beasts that embody certain qualities. For example, a heart of life, a heart of frost, a heart of fire, a heart of steel, a heart of stone. So you need the hearts from beasts? Yes. The other day, Jalen and I started on research for this. I think for the heart of life, a troll heart. The only thing that we encountered that has a heart of steel is something like that creature that Vincent summoned. The thing that melted? The old lady, with, yeah, that got all black oozy and stuff. Yeah. Hold on. I go rummaging around in my bag and I pull out the coin. Hey. Uh, this? Would that be the... It, that, that was left behind in the ooze. Yeah, that's probably it. Well, that's one of six things we need. Is it steel? It is. It looks very dark. It's a very dark metal. You can roll. Nature is the appropriate knowledge skill. A 16. It is iron. Dark iron. Well, it's yours. So troll, that, something of fire, something of ice. We researched different creatures that might embody these various things. The Lady Miev suggests at some point we will perhaps actually have to go hunting Beasts of the Thorn. I have to say that sounds a lot better than courtships. Damn right. Damn right. So let me handle the things that I have to handle here and maybe... I should probably check in with the guild. And we hunt maybe tonight? Do we know where to go? I think we just have to be outside. I have often been curious to discover what kind of things come out at night. Well, we're very close to the thorns here. Should I bring a Jessica? I get a smile on my face and say, she's been wanting to swing that sword for... Yes, she has. I think you should invite your sister. I will do that. Should I invite an Isaac? <laughs> uh, let's not make this party too big. I mean, we have Tilfa. Okay. It's just he's got like that life-draining thing. <laughs> I'll leave it to Wait, you. Which is horrible to watch, but it is rather effective. Make your choices okay. in, in that regard. I'll wait onward from you where to meet since you've done the research. Where do you want to meet? We could meet here. If you wish. Okay. Do you want to run that heart over to Lady Miev's? I'll run down to the guild and then I'll be back later. Yes, I, I will deliver this to Lady Miev as the first part of our mission. Okay. We'll do like the hands in the middle be yeah. like okay <laughs> break <laughs> thundercats ho oh. before we depart Sylpha will rummage in her pack and take out something a small it's a small package like wrapped in brown paper and neatly tied with twine it's about the size of something that a scholar would keep quills in and it has a letter with a seal affixed to it and some 
arcane symbols that you can't read. And she will hand it to Jalen and say, Jalen, would you give this to your brother, please? Sure. She'll put it in her pack. Climb down out of the treehouse. Julie, when your feet hit the ground, your lantern lights up again. Great. Do not see anything. Do we? Uh, No. I'm looking around for the invisible things that... Roll me perception. Do I see her lantern light up too? Uh, Yeah. Ooh, 18. Natural a natural 20. 20. And another natural 20. Wow, all three of you see a large black cat crouched in the bushes nearby, staring at you. It's the size of a wolf, maybe? Is it the cat that I know? I mean, it's hard to tell because it's covered in bushes, but uh, it's the only cat that size that would be near your house that yeah. you can think of. I look straight at it and say, are you spying on me? No, dear. I was waiting for your guests to leave. And out strides a black panther with tentacles whipping off of its back. Knowledge nature would be appropriate. One. (laughs) What the fuck is that? (laughs) Sylpha did very well. I rolled an 18. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. 24. Okay, so this is a displacer beast. They are not normally intelligent enough that they can talk, though they are much smarter than normal animals. This one seems to have been gifted with additional sentience. They aren't where they appear to be. Like, they're they're sort of disjointed from the world by just a little bit, making them very hard to pin down. Their black color makes them very good at hiding, particularly at night. And the tentacles are really dangerous. It's basically, it has retractable claws on the end of each tentacle. Sylpha visibly shudders. Do we have need of discussion? Well, that's up to you. I'm displeased with you right now. Hmm, that's sad. But it also doesn't matter. If anyone would like to make any agreements, that's what I'm here for. Although I was waiting for Sable... Jalen will say out of the corner of her mouth, hey, Silpha, is that one of the things we can kill for what we need? As far as you know, it does not have any particular life, stone, fire, cold powers. She cringes and says, no, and given what it is, I think it would cause problems were we to do it harm. Okay, well, um, Sable, you want to come with one of us or you want to stay here? It won't hurt me. Okay. Silpha glares at the cat. You're in a staring contest with a cat. I think we know how that's going to end. All right. I'll be back later. All right. Bye. It's all right. (laughs) And she stalks off. Sylpha, when you get 30 feet away from the cat, your lantern turns off. It was not invisible, though. It's just a creature that can go invisible. It cannot. Mm, So it also seems to light up in the presence of fey creatures. Well, there you go. I don't know that it can't go invisible. What do you want? Well, the thorns are growing again, so I thought I'd give you another opportunity to make an agreement. If you're not interested, I'll be in the circle where I always am. Do you know where Ophelia is? Hmm. Trying to decide how he would answer that question. Because fairies aren't supposed to be able to lie. Fairies can't lie, but the answer is sort of. So I think he says, no, I don't. Why have the thorns started growing again, then? The creature that made the agreement is dead. I think we have it covered for now. Very well. I'll be where you find me whenever you need me. Jalen, you said you were headed to the Thieves Guild? Yep. 
And I know it's broad daylight, so she's probably going to pick one of the manholes that's like in an alley where she can kind of do it quietly and then work her way to the guild. Are you going to be stealthy in any way, shape, or form? No. All right. So you see someone approaching you, and there's something about their posture that is really familiar, but they're like dressed in sort of common clothes. Is, it, is this above ground or below ground? Above ground. Above ground. Okay. Yeah, they're dressed in common clothes, and when they get closer and closer to you, you're like, I know that person. And you realize pretty quickly it's Lynn in a rather shitty disguise. Oh, fuck me. Who happens to bump into you in the middle of the town. Do you do anything before he gets to you? Like run away. Is he looking at me? Uh, he is headed directly towards you. You can pretend you didn't see him and run away if you wish. He's just going to follow me. Uh, probably. You're more than capable of ditching him. He's a paladin. <laughs> no, she's not going to avoid him. She'll she'll step out. She'll make sure they don't have any of the crowd around them or around her. Find a quiet place for him to catch up to you. Yeah. So he immediately walks up and says, she's going to go, Lynn, that is the worst disguise I have ever seen. I first noticed you in the marketplace about two years ago. You were with your dad and your uncle and you had, I want to say, 10 knives on you. You were just glinting in the sunlight. Uh, I love my family, and their approval is really important to me. But if it gets in the way of what I want, I think I need to be the adult. I hate lemons. Just fucking hate (laughs) lemons. I am absolutely afraid of the small fairies like the big fairies don't scare me but the tiny ones scare the crap they're like spiders but you know malicious like electric chiggers (laughs) i think my life is laid out for me and i'm gonna follow that path until i have reason to stop and that means that i will uh, be a, a knight of the church And as the third child in my family, I will inherit very little, but probably a stipend. I'll need to create some kind of business or something with that. Um, A secret. I actually had a crush on your sister for about three months, about a year before I met you, when she beat the snot out of a guy in the middle of the street. It turns out she does that all the time, and that's frightening uh, a desire i have a secret love of berry crumble i will do pretty much anything for a good blueberry or blackberry crumble you know what i'm i'm struggling with all the things you said uh did i get them all i'm missing some oh oh there's that whole like will my family yeah. like you or not thing you know i don't care really it, it matters more for faust and dova They're a lot more likely to actually own the manor house. So I I say, let's do whatever we want to do. Shut this boy up and kiss him. Yeah. I'm going to say, and the question of the thorns. Oh. And she closes in and kisses him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Now Nate's blushing. (laughs) You really are! Oh my god! Got turned on me. The the (laughs) cards got turned on me. And that wraps us up. Don't forget to rate and review us. 
Special thanks to Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy on Facebook for our logo, and Todd Ferguson at My Pet Machine for our theme song and transitions. Tune in next time to see what Fenrir is like after dark. <laughs> Silpha's house being in town is actually always a perfect rallying point. Your parents could be stick people. I'm not meaning there. I'm sorry. <laughs> not that you know that. She's concerned about pod people, Julie. There <laughs> is could, no safe place. I could be a pod person. You could be a pod person. Creating a safe pod for us to meet in at my house. Yeah, I, I think that I would ask for y'all to come to the tree house today, though. Just because, yeah. There are no pod people in the tree house. I don't know that for sure. It should be some fetch squirrels. <laughs> the fairy people are just abducting <laughs> the treehouse squirrels. <laughs> now they're just fucking with you.